I'm Steve Campbell, and you're listening to the Ascent Podcast. This week, we're profiling Larry Jordan. Larry's the president and CTO of Ytronics, an Internet of Things platform for railroads. Larry takes us through his personal journey with software to becoming an electrical engineer to a career in transportation starting with General Motors. He's had a long, successful career, and I can't wait to take you through his journey. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, with the ascent, we like to just really document people's journeys and hear all about their stories. And um, so, let's just start simple. And why don't you introduce yourself and let our community know a little bit about you and where you came from? Sure, sure. My name is Larry Jordan. I am the president and chief technology officer of Whitronics. Uh, Whitronics provides remote monitoring systems and IoT platform for uh, railroads, mostly locomotives. And so. That's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I'm an engineer, uh, electrical engineer, uh, really deeply involved in software from a wee little age. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's how I, I grew up and uh, with software. I'm, I'm going to be 51 here soon, so I was born in a very special time for personal computers, um, TRS-80 was my first computer, um, you know, back uh, pre-IBM computers. And so always been, uh, you know, excited and and involved with uh, writing software and electronics and kind of grew up from that point and, uh, and got formally trained, you know, from an academic perspective. And then I started out my career in uh, – at General Motors, uh, where they, uh, a division, they build locomotives. So they actually build more than, or at the time built more than just Buicks and Chevys. They also built, built locomotives and, uh, yeah, super, super exciting. Got to use all that, uh, those computer skills, uh, and software to control really big stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, that was really exciting. Uh, but kind of progressed along that path and, um, continue to do be involved with electronics and and business and technology and and that's kind of what drives me is that uh, all the all the innovation and, and new things and, and making things that have been around for a long time uh, like railroads mm -hmm. take them to the next level that's awesome um, so you've been in this industry for a long time I mean I guess what was the first thing that really piqued your interest in that space that got you really interested in it in it and realized that you could turn it into a career yeah it was uh my uh, my father had his own uh, own business and he um, a machine shop and so he was kind of a techie too but not uh, not to that that extent but but it, he wasn't a trained engineer, but he was an engineer at heart. And um, so I started out really early doing things like accounts payable and accounts receivable for him. That was kind of my high school job. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was fun because at that time it was almost like open source. <laughs> that if you got the if you had the code, you had the source code too. So you could literally go in and change the way the accounts payable or accounts receivable system uh, would work. And so it was kind of the intersection of, of the computer software and, and business that really piqued my interest and has been going ever since that point. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. I have always been a big techie myself and just growing up, I feel like I was the like go-to kid in my neighborhood as far as like fixing computers and things like that. And I feel like just from taking things apart and putting them back together was 
what started me down that route. And then I sort of got hooked onto like just the internet in general and social media when that came up and it eventually led, eventually led me down a path of marketing. But I actually started out in an engineering route as well. Cause I have an uncle who's a civil engineer. And so it sounds like your dad and his, his business was a big influence in you getting started, just tinkering around with stuff and realizing you could manipulate stuff. Right. Yeah. I think the, the tinkering around and then, um, and then merging that with with some of the business and being being familiar with uh, a small business and some of the challenges, but also the rewards of the small business. Um, you know, I saw it. You know, when I was really young, saw saw the hard work and dedication that's required to to get things started. I remember, you know, going in uh, the family going into his his business on you know on Saturdays and Sundays and him working and kind of the whole family tagging along. But then I also saw that as the business was successful over the years, you know, some of the, you know, the, the upside too. Um, and, and I think that's really, that's one thing about having, being involved in as an entrepreneur in a business is, you know, there's, there's uh there's highs and, and lows and it's never, it's never a dull moment. I guess let's stay on this a little bit. I mean, you obviously probably have a unique vantage point in the tech industry as a whole, and you've seen it evolve over over this time. I mean, what's what's like some of the biggest areas that you've been interested in and that have really impacted your career choices and your business? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that that I've always been interested in. This is where I, when I started with uh, with General Motors and the locomotives. This this intersection of of um, of computers and and big machines and how or big systems and um, and how there there's a possibility to really drive some some big big improvements um, and and we see this uh, I think today it's kind of called mechatronics um, and so that that's where I've always been driven by this kind of uh, opportunity to optimize and and make things better. Um, one of the things that I worked on, um, earlier in my career was like traction control systems to enable the locomotives to, to pull more freight. And when you pull more freight, then you use less diesel fuel. And when you use less diesel fuel, you have less emissions and, you know, all the, all these things kind of add up to make make your impact uh, on the bigger picture and make maybe the world a little bit more efficient and the environment a little, a little bit uh, greener and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually when, um, when I was working in the ad agency industry, I, one of my clients was general electric for four of the seven years that I worked there. And one of the things that was really fascinating about them was, you know, with the internet of things and they tried to coin the term industrial internet around just their locomotives and, um, their jet engines and, and wind and turbines and all those other things. And just, I think the thing that struck me back then when I was trying to take a complex idea and turn it into marketing speak for them was just how much data companies like that have access to and how much data gets produced by something like a locomotive. And, and just the fact that even pr- improving a 1%, you know, er, improving something efficiency wise by 1% has massive scalability in terms of billions of dollars of business and, and save revenue and things like that. And so the IOT has always been something that I've, I've been interested in following. And, uh, it's nice to finally meet somebody who's actually working on the other end of it. Why don't you talk a little bit about what, 
you're doing now and what Ytronics is and what, what you guys are focusing on. Sure. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that's a, a good segue. Um, you talk about the data and the information that's generated by IoT and it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of information, but the, the bottom line is, is you need to be able to, to take that data and convert it into information that people can do something with and to work within the systems that exist. Um, you know, for example, if we've got systems that, um, you know, look at how a locomotive is performing, um, we call it Wynostics. It's kind of wireless diagnostics and, and look at the locomotive and parameters. And ultimately, there's a work order that goes to a, a locomotive mechanic to to make a repair. Um, but if you don't have that human interface and the way to to communicate that IoT type of information to a customer or to an individual to take action, kind of you lose lose that value. So I, you know, see that um, that it, you know the tech there's underlying tech, but but you also have to merge it with kind of these human human systems that maybe been along for around for a long time that are unionized that maybe have certain work rules um, so that the problem is tech is a part of the solution but but you have to look at the things very holistically it sounds like that's what you're doing for your clients and um are you doing that at scale right now or is it yeah is it like a one project at a time kind of deal no, we, we, it's a, it's at scale. We, we would, what uh, you call us software as a service platform with also, uh, an IOT piece that's going on the locomotives. Yeah. So, so we've been, uh, Whitronics has been around for, I think we're in our 13th year now. And so we've grown fairly steadily. So, so that we have, uh, around 12,000 locomotives that are equipped throughout North America and a little bit in Australia. So, um, yeah, so th- what, how we're helping our customers there is, you know, really everything from where the locomotives are located and how much fuel they have to are they being operated safely and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big value proposition is is safety and efficiency. And um, sometimes we think of those as two separate items, but they actually they intersect. And, and if we think about like uh, as we're driving a car, um, you know, we can be very inefficient on how we drive a car and easily burn, you know, have mileage that's 10 or 20% poorer mm-hmm. than if we were driving carefully. But as we drive more and more aggressively, that becomes unsafe. Um, so we see that same corollary in, in locomotives. There's efficiency, but then you become so inefficient at some point, then you're, you become unsafe. Mm-hmm. So, so we do things like, um, like helping our customers, uh, you know, whether the locomotive engineers are speeding and exceeding the speed limit. That's been kind of a hot topic here recently. Um, help them uh, reduce uh, fuel usage and monitor emissions and all, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that we're, we've been doing more uh, recently, and we started around, uh, our new product is called Violet, and um, we're doing deep learning and what we call visual uh, intelligence, where we're using cameras that are on the locomotive to look at what's occurring in the cab of the locomotive and outside um, to just bring a, a whole nother level of efficiency and safety to, uh, to what's available. That's awesome. I never really considered... Um 
that angle in terms of safety. And obviously that's really important. And you're not just trying to save a company, you know, money in terms of fuel costs, but you're also helping save on, you know, accidents and, and wrecks and things like that. And I guess when you're managing a network of 12,000 trains globally that, you know, that stuff really adds up over time for a lot of different people. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of, uh, you can do some, you know, relatively straightforward monitoring, like the speed limit in this area is, is 50. Are the people going, are they abiding by the speed limit? Because usually if somebody is, um, you know, not paying attention to the rules, then they do it all the time. It's not one, one thing. And, and one of the other things that we're doing, which is a challenge pretty much in all, in all many parts of life is, uh, or, parts of transportation, everything from pedestrian to trains is distracted operations. So with the cameras that are inside the locomotive, we can look at uh, distractions like is the, is the cell phone being used, uh, which is against federal law. Mm-hmm. But without, uh, without any systems, IoT platforms monitoring, nobody would know. So, so that's one of the ways that we can bring safety. And then it's like having an inspector on every train. We can, we can look out the front window and look to see if the if the track structure is sound um, is you know as we go through a bridge we can inspect the bridge uh, we can inspect the track uh, we can look for things like near misses at crossings or trespassers and so that's really ultimately drives myself and 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 my team is this kind of pursuit to to of safety and saving lives in and around the rail industry. Mm-hmm. I guess taking a step back and like just looking at your journey as a whole, I mean, starting from a young age, you are really interested in software. Did you always have an interest in trains as well? And like, is this the company that you always envisioned starting or did you just kind of naturally fall, fall into this based on your work at GM? Yeah, I would say that I was always had an interest in, in transportation, probably actually more so in in aviation you know i think when i went into went away to to college there was should i do electrical engineering or should i do aerospace engineering so always um you know excited about uh transportation so the trains was a little bit of a you know unexpected path Um, you know it's not it's not obvious um how much technology is on on a locomotive and uh but once i was exposed to what was happening there um, you know, it's, it's, there's more, there's a lot of technology on, on locomotives and it's not quite as much as a, as an aircraft, but way more than an automobile. And so there was, and it's kind of a niche industry. So it, you could really sink, sink your teeth into it and, and get your hands dirty, like you said, and, and really work with the systems. That's what drove, drove that, that interest. And then, and then also, uh, early on in my career, I got, the chance to work on some uh, some new locomotives, and we um, and part of the testing process would be that we had the old converted passenger car that we would attach to a train, a, re- a regular freight train, and then the new locomotive. And so I probably spent maybe two months total early in my career of testing these locomotives and and riding around the country on freight trains. And that's where we, I could really see that there was a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. to to use this technology um, to to make some big impacts because you got out there and and, and saw um, you know what was working and what wasn't working and and some of the uh, the inefficiencies 
that were in the system and the opportunities to to alleviate those those issues. That's great. Just getting your hands dirty and getting out there and experiencing it firsthand. Was that something that uh, you just took it upon yourself to do or you just got the idea or is that something that you just did through your work? Yeah, I mean, it was it was part of part of through the work was, you know, being part of the, this testing program, mm-hmm. but it opened up a lot of a lot of ideas. And, oh. and you the the railroads of the United States go through like some of the worst worst areas and some of the most pristine and, and most beautiful areas. So it provided a lot of time to uh, kind of reflect on on the industry and, you know, its trials or it, it's it's the things that that it had, uh, you know, challenges with, but also the opportunities that the industry had uh, and how it really linked the country and the world together from a from a commerce perspective. I, I think a lot of folks don't realize how the railroad transportation kind of fits into the overall economy. Uh, you know, we see, we certainly see trucks when we're driving, and we will we see kind of la- the last part of a journey of of product. But um, it's it's just incredible. Just something like electricity, the amount of coal that comes out of of Wyoming and goes uh, to power plants. You know, the trains move. 25% of the electricity that's generated in the country, there's a train that has to move material before the electricity can be generated. So we don't really see how how the rail industry is is necessarily intimately tied into our, our way of life sometimes. Knowing that you're in the game of efficiency and, and safety and making sure that all of these trains globally are are really checking off both boxes. I guess, what does the future look like for you and for Wytronics? Yeah, um, so um, on the on the short-term goals, uh, we've been very involved in freight and freight railroads and, and heavy passenger, which is kind of like Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of other, um, there's a lot of other types of rail vehicles like light rail vehicles. So, so we're taking our efficiency and safety um, bag of tricks and capabilities to to light rail, uh, so that we can impact more of the freight freight. Or I'm sorry, more of the passenger market and um, impact people in in cities more in a positive way. And then also we're we're looking to uh, to grow further beyond uh, North America and Australia. So uh, we're looking to to move into Europe and Asia and, and expand, uh, expand our markets in, in that direction. And then also utilize, uh, you know, these new technologies like deep learning and AI to, to really leverage, um, these capabilities that we, that we see, for example, in autonomous driving, um, and take that into, into the rail industry so that they can become, continue to be, um, competitive and and relevant as new technologies and as transportation uh, changes as we go forward. That's cool. I mean, I didn't really ever think about how AI will eventually apply to that industry, but it's obviously going to be ubiquitous enough to be applied everywhere. And so, yeah, is that something you guys are preparing for now? and Or is that just a um, something you're thinking about for the future. We have some systems that are in place today that, um, you know, we're using the AI to, uh, for example, I talked about the, the usage of the cell, cell phone in the capital locomotive. We're using AI there to, uh, to augment the system to say, oh, yes, there is a person in the cab, and yes, they are, in fact, using, using their phone. Um, and, and that's just the, 
the start. Um, you know, everything. One of the the areas that we have a lot of passion around is crossing safety. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's um, there's billions of dollars that are spent on rail crossings per year improving them, but there's not really good data around where are the real safety issues. And so that's one of the areas that we're working on right now is to to track near misses. They happen, unfortunately, they happen so often that that some uh, some locomotive engineers they just don't even bother reporting it anymore because because it happens so much. And so to automate that whole reporting process, but ultimately so that we can use that data to make sure the next the next time somebody does that, it's instead of a near miss. It's a fatality. So, um, so that's one of the areas that we're there's a lot of early focus on, um, but but the the applications are they're like they're huge. You know, we'll have um, crazy things that come up where we'll get involved with uh, criminal activity because there's all these trains going around and they have cameras in them and somebody will be well there was a there was this type of criminal activity. Can we? What trains were in that region? Um, what uh, you know? Can we use can we use deep learning to to search and do those those types of things? So, the the breadth of the application of technology sometimes can sometimes can go down past that you know you are really obscure and you hadn't even thought of. That's really interesting, and I think I, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on you know your thoughts around the future in terms of eliminating jobs because I know that that's like always a hot topic. I look at it in terms of basically what you just said. Even made me think of yes, while having an inspector on a tr- on every train all the time obviously eliminates the need to hire a person to do that, but saves on costs. It's all, also all these other applications that it's going to have are are going to lead into new territory where you off you obviously need to have people around to monitor this type of stuff and flag the different things and and take it down back down to a human element for companies is that something that you guys think about a lot in terms of your workforce and you know the companies that you're working with and and what are your thoughts on that yeah i think that uh, there there definitely is going to be changes within within job markets and what type of people um, you know types of of workers that are are required in our economy as we become more more autonomous transportation. Um, this is something that's been going on for you know a long time. Um, I'm old enough to remember the Billy Joel's song, Allentown. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're shutting all the factories down and all the jobs are going away. It, yeah, and those jobs did go away, but new ones were created. You know, they're software engineers and 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 data scientists and and new jobs that new job titles and occupations that didn't even exist um, when that song was written. So, yeah, it's going to cause, you know, disruption. Um, but disruption isn't necessarily bad. Um, it's scary. Um, but I think that's where, you know, I, I look to to our public policy um, makers to, to help, you know, lay that out so that we can take advantage and that uh, – that overall jobs are are maintained and in training programs and there's some folks that are out there in public policy that are are pretty vocal about that I think Mark Cuban has been very vocal about you know this is not a bad thing but we can't close our eyes to it mm-hmm. we have to uh, to be ready for it but in the end in the end it improves the standard of living and an improved standard of living 
you know, is a good thing. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing your journey with our community. I'm sure that people can learn a lot in terms of, especially in terms of your industry, which isn't one that you often hear about in, in the news and other, other than when there's an accident of some kind or something like that, but, um, wishing you the best of luck into the future and, and, you know, hope that you take Ytronics into the next 14 years. Great. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks. Likewise. And, um, do you just want to leave our audience with uh, a good way to reach you? Yeah, you can uh, reach me at uh, on LinkedIn, Larry. I think it's Lawrence uh, B. Jordan um, on LinkedIn. Also, I'm on Twitter. Um, I think it's I think that's Larry Jordan at Larry Jordan. Yeah, and also uh, you can reach out at Whitronics. That's W O hyphen T R O N I X dot com, and uh, you can reach out uh, to me that way also. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time, Larry. Nice speaking with you. Thank you. Take care.